as you guys are aware of, we've been hanging out since the beginning of the year in this series called The Way of Jesus. We've been really focusing around this vision that God has given us as a church, as the church, right? A very simple vision, but a very impactful vision, and that is to be and to make disciples of Jesus, right? Um, some of us got to get, get away this weekend uh, to Danville, uh, the church, uh, Mount Hermon, that Trina mentioned earlier. Uh, they put on a discipleship conference this weekend, um, and so some of us got to go and be a part of that and to train and to, to learn more about being disciples and how that happens, and it was just really, really encouraging. It really has like lit that fire underneath me of like discipleship and putting that into uh, putting that into place in the local church because that is what God calls us to do is to to be disciples ourselves and as we become disciples then go out and make other disciples and so I'm really excited for the next few months as we have some really good ideas about how to put some of that into place to help us all be more effective disciple makers right um, and so we've been really hanging out in this idea of what does it mean to be a disciple what does it mean for me to follow in the way of Jesus? Jesus came and he lived on this earth. He was very intentional. We'll see that this week, uh, probably highlighted more than in past weeks. Jesus was very intentional when he was here. And he did certain things with those that followed him. He taught them certain lessons. He taught them certain practices in order to help them in their process of becoming more like him. And so we've just been trying to go back and look at what some of these processes, some of these practices were so that we too can become like Jesus. And so today um, we're going to look at another practice that is uh, that Jesus talks about, but it's also kind of found throughout Scripture, um, the principle. And so uh, we're going to talk about stewardship today. We're talking about stewardship and what does it mean to... Be a wise steward with what God has given to us. Um, and so we're, we're going to get into that. But before we get there, last week uh, we had the opportunity to talk about fasting. We had the opportunity to talk about fasting and how fasting is this intentional time, right, where I'm going to abstain from food so that I can, fast, so that I can feast on God, right? I'm withholding one thing in my life so that I can be more intentional on something else. And so I'm going to go a meal, this is what we had for our practice last week, I'm going to go a meal and not eat, and intentionally take that time and focus on the Lord. I'm going to take that time and I'm going to pray, I'm going to read, I'm going to really dive into what it is that God wanted me, uh, wants to say to me, wants to speak to me in that moment. And so let's just take a minute before we get into stewardship this week to reflect on how that practice went last week. Okay, And it's okay to say, you know what, I got there and it just didn't happen this week. That cheeseburger was just too tempting. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Um, or, hey, I forgot, right? But if you got to do it, let's share that with some people around you. Maybe what that experience was like for you, anything that you felt like God said to you, anything maybe you learned uh, during that opportunity this week. And if you didn't get to do it last week, it's not like you can't do it this week. Um, you, can, you can jump in and grab that practice this week as well. Okay, so let's take a minute or so, uh, talk about that, and then we'll come back together and talk about stewardship. So hopefully that was a, that was a helpful practice. Hopefully you guys, um, that was meaningful during your time that you got to do that. And hopefully it'll be a practice that you continue to grow in, continue to, to build upon, um, and, and one that you'll make a regular part of your life. Uh, this morning, 
we are going to talk about stewardship. And originally, my idea was I was going to cover stewardship in one week. Um, and I was like, okay, we can do this. Let's get through it. And the more I started getting into it, the more I started diving into this idea of stewardship, the more I realized that this is going to be two weeks, um, hopefully. Um, and so um, we're going to talk about one aspect of stewardship this week, and we'll talk about another aspect next week. Um, but I think it's important. Uh, Tom read for us a passage in Matthew 25 um, where, where Jesus gives a parable. He gives a story all about stewardship, right? And what's the point of Jesus' story, right? The point of Jesus' story of these, of these different stewards, of these different servants, is that God has entrusted us with something. Each one of us, God has entrusted us with something, with many things. And the question is, how are we going to use those things that God has entrusted with us? The key part for me when I was reading through that passage was verse 29. Matthew 25, verse 29. It says this, For to everyone who, will, who has... Let me try that again. For everyone who has will be given more, and, he, uh, and will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. For the one that has invested wisely in those things that God has given to them, God's going to give more to them. Right? It's an, it's an element of trust and, and what you do with what God has given to you. But those who have not done well with it. So like the servant who just took the money and hid it. Right? He took the, the talent and just hid it and did nothing with it. Right? I'm sure that he expected Jesus to come to him and say, Hey, good job. You still got that, that talent that I gave you. But we find out that Jesus' response was, No, you squandered it. And he took it away from him and gave it to the one who had been wise and who had stewarded that well. That's the idea, that's the principle of stewardship, is that God has entrusted us with certain things. And he also expects us to use those appropriately, to use those wisely, to multiply those things that he's entrusted to us, so that he will continue to give us, as he says here, in abundance. I think it's helpful for us to have a good working definition of stewardship. It's not a word that we use a whole lot today. Um, but kind of the, the phrase or the definition I put together for this, for this morning, is accountability for what God has given us and how we use it. I like that aspect of accountability because that's, that's a key part of it. Right? There's an accountability. God has given us things. But at the same time, he expects us to use those in a certain way. So we, we're going to be accountable. We're going to have to give account to God for how we use things, uh, for what he's given to us, and then how we actually use those things that he has given to us. Let me just remind you real quick, too, um, we do have the Bible app for this. So if you're following along, all the notes are up there as well for you. Um, I just always want to remind people because sometimes I forget. Um, but the Bible app has all of this stuff on there too, so feel free to, to look at that as we go this morning. But this word stewardship here, um, as it's used in the, in the, in the New Testament, um, is, is the word oikimenos, which means someone who manages a household. It's, it's the idea of someone who is put in charge of a household, a household manager that's in charge of the workings of that household. Um, how many uh, how many Downton Abbey fans do we have? All right, we so that do not raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Uh, I am not a Downton Abbey fan. I've watched maybe three pieces of episodes. Uh, I make fun of it more than I watch it. 
Um, I'll just go ahead and put that out there. Um, However, right, they have people that are in charge, right? There's a person, and I couldn't tell you the name of the person. I'm sure some of you guys could. What? Carson. Carson, okay. So, okay. So you guys know a lot of people about this, right? But there's a person who manages that household, right? That manages everything that happens there. Now, do they own the household? Do they own the house? No, of course not, right? But they're responsible for what happens within that household. And that's the same idea we get here. We are not owners of what God has given to us, but we have been entrusted with management. All right? A couple of just uh, kind of preliminary thoughts about just stewardship before we get specifically into uh, talking about um, time this morning. We're talking about the stewardship of time this morning. Number one is that stewardship was part of the plan from the beginning. Stewardship was part of the plan from the beginning. Look. Look at how the Bible describes in the creation narrative in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Right? So we're going to be image bearers. But look what else he says. He says, then let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Right? That word dominion means that we are going to have management over that. Now, does that mean that we own everything that happened? Do we own every fish in the sea? Do we own every bird? Do we own everything in the sky? Do we own everything that happens on this earth? Do we own it? Is it ours? We certainly live like that sometimes, the way we treat it, right? Uh, And I'm not all for, you know, for, for every extreme that people can take that thought to, but there is a responsibility. God has given it into our hands as humanity to steward it well to manage it, to care for it, to use it for our benefit. But ultimately, there's a responsibility we have. And so in the beginning, the idea that that God had was to create these humans that were in his image, that were image bearers of him, and we would reflect him to the rest of creation. And so as image bearers, we also had responsibility to manage this earth and the things that happened. And of course, we know we didn't get too far into the story until we messed that up. But that's God's plan, and we still there's still that uh, responsibility, the stewardship that God expects from us. Uh, second thought on the on stewardship is that stewardship is about joining in God's work. I think sometimes we we miss the the purpose, the big picture of it. Sometimes we think I'm going to go do all these things for God, right? But we're joining with God and what he's doing. It's not our work. It's not our ministry. It's not us saving somebody. We're joining God in what he's doing. Right? I love, uh, I love how Henry Blackaby put it in his uh, Experiencing God study. He said, if you want to know what God's will is, he said, look around and see what God's already doing around you and join him in what he's doing. I love that idea, right? Because it doesn't focus on us. It focuses on what God's doing, and I get to jump in and be a part of what he's doing. Right? Because ultimately, it's his. Paul certainly had this idea down. He writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Right? We are, we are joining in what God is doing. We're joining along with God in this process. But ultimately, it's God who owns it. 1 Corinthians 9, 17, he says this, For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, 
I am still entrusted with a stewardship. Paul understood that, that the, even his responsibility to go out and to share the gospel was not just his, but he was entrusted with a stewardship. God had given him that ministry that he was responsible for. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. There's even a stewardship of the grace that God has given to us. Because yes, God's grace is for us, but we're not the only one that it's for. Right? I, I heard an incredible saying uh, yesterday at our training. Um, they said, um, let me make sure I say it right. Um, as the gospel, uh, how did they say it? As you received the gospel, it was heading towards someone else. Right? This idea that even as we received the gospel, it was also going. It wasn't, we weren't the stopping point for the gospel. But as the gospel moves and reaches the entire world, yes, it's about us, and we get to reap the benefits and be responsible, but there's also a stewardship. When we've seen that grace, when we've received that grace, we now have a stewardship, a responsibility of taking that and sharing that with other people. And then final thought on stewardship is that stewardship will require effort on our part. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. He says, But by, by, by the grace of God I am who I am, and grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, he said, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not me, but the grace of God that worked in me. Right? Paul is acknowledging that really it was nothing about him, but also he had a responsibility in it. And he said, you know what, I worked harder than, I, 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 I put my effort in. I stewarded the grace that God has given to me, and I stewarded it well. I gave a good account for that. So before we get into stewardship of time, I want us to pause. We, I, I built in a lot of discussion this morning. Um, and so I want us to pause and take a couple minutes and answer this question. What does it mean as a disciple of Jesus to be a good steward of what he has given to you? What does that practically mean? How do we live that out? What does that look like? What's your idea as a follower of Jesus that we are responsible for what he has given to us? What does that look like? So take, take maybe two minutes, uh, try to come up with, with some ideas, and then we'll come back together and look specifically at the stewardship of time. So let's just share real quickly in our groups, what would you guys say? What, what does it look like to be a steward as a disciple of Jesus, what does it look like to be a steward of what God has given to us? What are some of the things that you guys talked about? Just shout them out. Perspective. Keeping your focus on eternal. Okay, great. Great. It has to do with, I'm not focused on the here and now and, and all the things that want to consume me in, in my life, right? But I'm, I'm focused on a, a different, on an eternal perspective. Good. What else? Our conduit. Okay. So God uses us, right, to bless other people. Okay. So we become the channel of blessings for other people. That's great. Love it. Holly, what do you say? Uh, just our body and health. Our body and health. Okay. Yeah. So there's a responsibility that we have as far as literally how we manage this, this body, this physical body that God has given to us. Okay. Anything else? Seeing everything as an opportunity. Seeing everything as an opportunity, right? Yeah, to, to steward, right? Even those little small minute things that we have going on in our lives, to see, can I use that as an opportunity, right? That's been something that God has given to me. How can I use that? Yes, sir? I think it's interesting that, that scripture there in Genesis about Christians are not noted for helping take care of the earth. Yeah. And we're just, that's like, we just don't do that. Right. It's really a shame because Sure. 
Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So not only not only do we do we live on this earth, but but there's ultimately a responsibility we for have for how we live on this earth, right? And obviously we're aware. We won't get into it today. Maybe that's a whole other day, right? That can be taken to the extreme, right? Where where the earth and the planet becomes a god, and, and we are now you know worshiping that. And obviously that can get unhealthy, right? But there at the very bottom, like very very baseline, we were given this earth to care for. And so, you know, it makes sense. Adam and Eve were gardeners. They lived in a garden. They were to take care of that garden. And so we need to also take care of this earth in the best way that we can. Very good. So let me just throw out a few questions, okay, just to get our minds wrapped around our our topic today and next week, okay? What has caused you the greatest stress in your life? Now think about this week. What has caused you the greatest stress in your week? Have you not been loaded with responsibility at home, at work, even at church? How about stress related to bills? How about running late for an appointment or feeling like you're just rushing from one thing to the next? How about paying out? uh, How about running out of cash before your payday? Each of these stressors relates to two areas of our life that God has called us specifically to steward well. Our time and our money. Right? Our time and our money. And we need to, we need to get, we're going to give an account for how we use those specifically. Now, a lot of other things fall under those umbrellas. I think both of those are really good categories that we can branch out other things, right? So when we think about our, we think about our time, right? We also think about our talents and the gifts that God's given us and how we use those because we all use those within the context of time, right? And then under here, under our money, we also think about our possessions and things that God has given to us there. But that all kind of falls under that same category. And so this week specifically, I want to talk about time. Now, I don't expect next week for everybody not to come because we're talking about money. Okay? If you don't, we're going to record who was here this week. And if you're not, I'm going to come and I'm going to have a phone call and say, were you not here because we were talking about money? I'll also say, as Better Rock Church in Franklin County, we've been meeting now for two years um, in homes and then here. And this is the first time we've talked specifically about money on a Sunday morning. So... I promise you this is not the talk about we want your money. God has more money than you could possibly even give us. It's about stewardship and what God wants to do with using that, okay? But today I want to talk about time. Time. Because even though money in a lot of our minds is is a valuable, valuable, maybe the most valuable possession, people do some crazy things to get money, to keep money. I would submit to you today that time is our most valuable resource. Our most valuable resource resource because we're only given a certain amount of time each of us as the bible says our days are numbered there's only a certain amount of time that we have on this life and the question of how we use it becomes a grand question in our lives (coughs) donald whitney uh, wrote a book called the celebration i'm sorry uh, spiritual disciplines for the christian life phenomenal book on the spiritual disciplines right i'll talk about that here in just a second but he says this he says the heart of a disciplined life is the disciplined use of time at the very center of what it means to live a life that is disciplined and following after god time becomes that foundational piece because so much of those areas of what we are disciplined in all happen within time 
Everything we do happens within time. And so how we use our time becomes so critical in us ultimately being good stewards, being stewards of what God has given to us. I'll tell you, um, if you want a really insightful, really helpful resource looking at the spiritual disciplines, um, his book, The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, is a phenomenal resource. Uh, if you want more on what we're talking about today, I'm going to point you there. In fact, I'll go ahead and just tell you, uh, we're going to talk through 10 aspects of time, and I got all of those from his book. I just kind of, I mean, he got them from the Bible, so they weren't original to him. Um, but I got those concepts from this book. But if you want a further explanation on those, it's an incredible resource to go and, and spend some time diving into. But ultimately for us, looking at time and our stewardship of time, we need to realize, as in every one of these practices, Jesus becomes the ultimate example for us. Like, don't you love the fact that we have a God that would not only tell us and give us a written account of how we should live our lives, but he would actually wrap on flesh, come down into this earth, and live it out for us and give us an example of how to do that? Like, is anybody grateful for that this morning? Yeah. Right? As much as I can connect with the Ten Commandments and the laws from God, how much more can I connect with the, with the story of a Savior who came and actually lived it out? Set an example for us on how to live. And I submit this morning that, that Jesus was the ultimate example of stewarding his time. Jesus, better than anyone else, had the best understanding of the value of time and how to use that time. You think about what he did in the course of about three years of ministry. <laughs> The majority of what we know in the Gospels, the stories and the events and the teachings, all happen within three years. I can think back to three years of my life, periods of my life, that I can't even, I can't even give an account of anything I did. Anybody with me? Any periods of your life you're like, like I know that I experienced it because I'm alive today, but I can't tell you what I did, right? I mean, maybe I got a degree that I can say that, yes, I went to class, but I can't tell you specifically what I did, right? But Jesus was so intentional with his time and how he lived. And again, that was because of his mission. Listen to what he says in John chapter 17, verse 4. This is, um, this is so key. This is right before he goes to the cross. He says this. Do we have that passage? Oh, thank you. Um, he says, I glorify you on earth. I, have, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I love that. I love that, right? Jesus is saying at the end of his earthly life, I did it. Right? And in order to accomplish that, he had to be very specific in what he did. Right? Also notice, though, as you read through the Gospels, Jesus was never in a hurry. Never, there's not one place I can imagine in the New Testament that says Jesus ever ran to get anywhere. I mean, think about it. Right? Jesus was aware, he was acutely aware of what he needed to do and how he needed to use the time that he had. So he sets the great example for us. Another, uh, another quote I love on time, though not as significant as Jesus, uh, also very important. This is uh, from J.R.R. Tolkien from The Fellowship of the Rings. I love this quote. Uh, I wish, let me try it again. I wish it needed to have, try one more time. <laughs> um, I wish it needed not to have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf. 
and so do all those who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that that is given to us. Right? And that's the question. Right? We can't look at life and say, man, I wish I lived in a different time. I can't say that I wish that I lived, that I had different. All we are responsible for, all we can manage, the time that God has entrusted to us right now. Right? I can't even necessarily in this moment be thinking about or focusing on or doing anything necessarily about the time that I've lost in the past. I can only focus on the time that I have in the present and whatever God's going to give me going forward. And that's all about this idea of the stewardship of time. So this morning, instead of, instead of focusing on maybe specific things that God wants for you to do with your time, okay? Because God's going to say those things to you. If you're doing these other practices that we've been talking about, if you're in his word and you're praying and you're fasting and you're seeking him and you're, and you're listening to his voice, he's going to reveal to you what he wants you to do with that time. This morning, I want to talk about 10 biblical reasons that we should steward our time wisely. I want to give us 10 reasons why we should think carefully about our time and how we use it. I'm going to move through these fairly quickly. Number one is that time is short. Time is short, right? There is nothing more scarce. I'm sorry, the more something is scarce, the more it is valuable, right? That's what makes things like gold and silver so valuable, right? It's also what makes time so valuable is because it's scarce, right? There's only a short amount of time when you look at the perspective of this world. James says it this way in James chapter 4, verse 14. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you it is a mist that appears for a little while, for a little time, and then it vanishes. I like the, uh, I think it's the King James Version maybe that says it's a vapor. Right? That's the version I memorized. Um, Right? It's just a vapor. It's just here for just a second in comparison to things, and then it's gone. And so we need to think carefully about how we use our time. Right? Time is short. And I can tell you, as, as a lot of us can in this room, it seems like the older that you get, the shorter and the faster that time starts to roll. I remember as a kid, I remember summer break as a kid, and it seemed like it lasted forever. I remember getting out in the summer as, you know, elementary school or whatever, and I would go and I would spend the summers a lot of times over at my grandmother and my grandfather's house, and I remember getting up in the mornings, and, and Grandma always had, a, like, a tremendous breakfast uh, laid out for us, right? And, and the days just seemed to extend on forever, right? Always at the end of the, of the summer, we would always go on a family vacation to the beach. And I remember at the beginning of the summer, it seemed like it was forever until we got to that family vacation, until we got to go to Myrtle Beach together. And I think about it in the course of my life right now, and I think about how it just seems like you just blink sometimes and you're in a different season, right? You just blink and things have already changed. And it's like, Man, I mean, we are about to roll into spring before we know it, right? I feel like we just celebrated Christmas, and time is short. It moves on. Number two is to realize that time is passing. Time is passing. You see, time is not like a bag of ice that you get out of the freezer, and you can use it whenever you want to, and then put it back, and whatever's in that freezer stays in there, right? It's much more like the sand in an hourglass. Whether you use it or not, it's still moving. Time is, it's, 
as uh, as the as the poet once said, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Um, some of you guys are aware of that. Greatest movie ever, Space Jam, right? Um, I'll stop right there about any of the rest of the song because it just came to mind who's saying that, um, right? But time keeps moving, right? And it's not like if we if we don't use time well that it just stops and we can somehow come back and reclaim it at some later time. It continues to move. And for many of us, that's probably some of the most heartbreaking parts of our life is, is, is years of our life that maybe we squandered toward worthless things. But time continues to, to move. John, in his letter of 1 John, says this in chapter 2, verse 17, The world is passing away along with the desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Right? This world is, is slipping away. It's continuing to move on. It's, it's passing away. And even though it may not feel like that in this moment, it's moving. Time continues to move on. Number three, the remaining time is uncertain. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, right? Maybe telling you something you don't want to think about this morning. But our remaining time is uncertain. Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. None of us know, right? All we can be sure of is the time that we've already had and the second that we're living in right now. We can't be sure for the next breath, the next moment. Time is uncertain. I've heard story after story after story of people who thought that their time was going to be longer. I've heard story after story and, and even heard from people who said, you know, there's going to be a day when I get things right with Jesus. Got a lot of garbage in my life right now. I'm, I, you know, a lot of things I want to do right now. But when I get older and, and kind of settle down and, and kind of sow some of my wild oats, or I go and do this or that or the other, right? When I've kind of experienced everything the world has been, you know, wanted to give me, then I'll I'll get things right with Jesus. Unfortunately, for many of those people, they never got to that point, right? Because time is uncertain. The remaining time we have left is uncertain, and so we need to steward it well. Number four, and then we're going to break for a discussion. Time lost cannot be regained. Think about it this way. Many things that, is lo- that have been lost can be regained at some point in your life. So think about it this way, right? Finances, okay? If you go through a season of your life and say it's just poor mismanagement or whatever of your finances, and you end up having to claim bankruptcy, it's a very real possibility in the world that we live in, in the country we live in, that you can actually regain that wealth and actually accumulate more and actually end your life as a very wealthy person. That doesn't happen with time, right? We can't gain back the time that we've already lost. Once time is gone, it's gone forever. In John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus speaks into this idea. He said, we must work the works of him who sent us while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. We need to focus on the time that we have left. But let us not be discouraged about the time that we've lost either. Do not let your past hold you back from what God wants to do with your future time. Right? Mother Teresa said it this way once. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We only have today. Let us begin. I like that idea, right? Focus on the time that we have. Right? Paul picks up on this idea in Philippians 3, 14 through 13. He says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, 
I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, of all people, probably had a very real understanding of time wasted that he wished he could have gotten back. Right? I know many of your stories. I don't know anybody's story in this room where you actually went out and killed Christians for fun. Right? I mean, if you did, I don't know that I really want to know that, but I, we can work through that together. Okay, if that was... Right? But Paul... Paul led the charge to go out and persecute and to kill Christians and to arrest them, right? Think about from that perspective where he writes that. You don't think for a second Paul doesn't think back about that and say, man, I wish I had that one back. I wish I had those moments for the gospel. But Paul also understood that if I get caught up just, just sticking in the past and, and focused on the past, then I'm never going to be able to, to, to strive forward for what God wants me to do in the future. And so he says... What I do is that I forget what's behind me and all of that. Some of you guys this morning, the word you need to hear is to realize that you can't regain that lost time, so you need to get busy with the time God has you. Some of you this morning needs, need to hear that, you know what? Don't let the past hold you back for what God wants you to do in the future for him, right? Because I know for many of us, it's really easy to, to, to have our identity and all of that caught up in the things of the past Mistakes in the past, right? Sins in the past, call them for what they are, right? And if we're not careful, those sins will hold us in that. We start to take our identity, right? And start to see ourselves not by who we are today in Christ Jesus, and not who God wants us to be in the future as he continues to, to grow us and to shape us into his image of his son. But we, we start to identify, we continue to identify with who we were in the past. And so today... Think about what God wants us to do in the future, right? All right, it's pretty pretty heavy, quick things that we hit. Um, let's take a minute and talk about that then, right? How in your life have you seen time pass by quickly? How have you seen this idea of time just roll through your life? Because um, it's important that we understand that principle, and then we will uh, continue on looking at this idea of time. Okay, so time passes by quickly, right? I think that's a surprise to any of us when we sit down and think about it. Number five, though, as we, we start to look at that, uh, we are accountable to God for the time that we have, right? And this is the part that I don't like to think about a lot of times. Amen? Um, Romans fourteen twelve. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And part of what we're going to be accountable for is the time, right? Now, those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we don't have to give that account for the sins because he covered that for us. But we must give an account of what we've done with our time, what he's entrusted us with, right? Go ahead and just insert this too. This also is very applicable for our finances and for the resources that God has entrusted us with. He's also going to hold us accountable for how we use those. Do we just use those for ourselves to consume, consume, consume? Or do we use those to be a conduit, as Tom said a minute ago, right? A conduit of blessing to other people, to use them for God's mission and his plan. So we give an account. Also in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, it says this, kind of looking at an example of someone who, who wasted that, right, and had to give an account. The writer of Hebrews says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Right? This idea that the believers here in Hebrews uh, these Hebrew believers, he was looking at them and saying, there needs, there's an accountability, right? You should be mature in your faith by now. 
right? Think about that avenue of our lives, right? How many of us have been following Jesus for more than 10 years? How many of us have been following Jesus for more than 20 years, more than 30 years, more than 40 years? If we were to give an account of what we've done with that time in following Jesus, would our lives be able to reflect that? Would we have fruit to show from that, that we've grown in our walk with Jesus? I love the idea they, they shared uh, again yesterday. Uh, so many just helpful little nuggets I got yesterday from this conference. But they said, uh, and the great thing is I get to come and share all that with you guys. So we get to save uh, several hours. And I can just give you the little nuggets that I really liked. Um, but they said, you, you know, what if you just had memorized one verse for every year that you've been a follower of Jesus? Could you do that? Right? So if you've been following Jesus for 10 years, you've got 10 verses tucked away in there. 20 for 20 years, 30 for 30 years, right? It's a good measuring mark, right? If we, if we truly, if this truly is an investment, what are we investing in? Do we know his word? Because there's going to come at a point where we're all accountable for how we used it. Number six is to realize that the days are evil. The days are evil. The time that we live in evil and we must take an account of how we use our time. Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise but as wise. Verse 16, making the best of your time because the days are evil. Our world is messed up. Right? I mean, Paul, when he wrote this thousands of years ago, the world was messed up. Just add all of that time and our world is really messed up today. Our world is really messed up in how it looks at time and what it says that we should value with our time. And so we must be wise in how we walk. We must be wise in how we use our time because our world is going to throw all kinds of evil things at us to do with our time. Right? Our mind is going, I mean, our world is going to throw all kinds of ideas and concepts of how we use our time. Right? Let's just do a little interactive thing. Um, So, what would you say our world's perspective on time is? Outside of, outside of uh, followers of Jesus, just our world in general, our culture, what's their perception on how we should use time? Andrew? YOLO. No one uses that anymore, but I just threw it out there. You only live once. I feel like that was like one summer in like 2008. That was a cool thing. Uh, <clears throat> so we'll bring it back. YOLO. You only live once, right? So, so live it up, right? Do everything because at the core of that statement, it's all about me. Me. Right? You only live once. And so you do whatever you want to do. Do whatever makes you happy. Right? I think that is the uh, agreed upon understanding of how you should use time is to do it for things that make you happy. If your job doesn't make you happy, find a new job. If your spouse doesn't make you happy, find a new spouse. If your things don't make you happy, buy more things. Right? That is the, the mindset of our culture. And Paul, as he's writing this, says, look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Because the days that we're living in are evil. Our culture's mindset leads toward laziness, slothfulness, and self-centeredness. It's all at the core of what our culture says that we should be valuing and spending our time doing. And so walk carefully, my friends, because this day that we live in is evil. Number seven. Time is so easily lost. I know we talked about lost time in the past, but also just to realize that time is so easily lost. Even time going forward, it's so easy for us to lose 
time to waste the time that God has given to us. As I was reading, um, as I was reading, um, what's his name? The guy that wrote the book. Um, Donald Whitley. Yeah, Whitney. Um, Donald Whitney, yeah. As I was reading his book, one of the things he says that I never picked up on, he said, uh, the number one person that scripture um, points out as a bad example is the fool, right? But the number two person, does anybody know who that is? The sluggard, right? I never caught that before. But he sets them up, right? Scripture sets up the sluggard as the number two example of how not to live your life, how to waste a life. Proverbs 26, 13 through 14. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Comes up with all these excuses. I can't go out and do anything. There's a lion in the street. There's a lion in the road. So I'm just going to sit here and waste my time. The sluggard never has time to do the things that really matter. Proverbs 24, 33 through 34. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Time appears so plentiful that losing much of it seems inconsequential for many of us. Right? As we look at time, I remember especially as a, as a younger, younger man, you know, in high school and college, it seemed like I just had so much time, right? Uh, and of course, when I was growing up in high school and college, we had this thing called boredom. It's something you guys have never experienced. I think it, it died like in, you know, like 2004 or something when the internet came out, Right? But boredom said, there's nothing to do, so let's just try to waste the time so you can get to the next exciting thing in life. Right? Now we don't have the struggle of boredom because we instantly have things that grab and steal and waste our time and our attention. And this is important. Again, let's go back. Number five, we're going to be accountable for what we do with the time that God has given to us. And if we're going to be accountable, we also need to step up and look at the ways that we're wasting time. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be things that we enjoy in life. I'm not saying that we shouldn't take time to rest. We talked about those things. But there's some things in life that are just a flat-out waste of our time. There's no better way to put it, right? There's no usefulness for it. It's just a waste of our time. And again, those things are going to come in like a robber, like an armed man, and steal the most valuable resource we have away, and that's time, right? And so instead of me standing up here and just sharing what my things are that waste my time, that may not be beneficial for you. That may be different in your life, right? So let's take a couple minutes and let's discuss that together. What are the wasters of time in your life, in your context? What are the things that steal your time? Let's talk about that, right? The first step in that is being accountable to those things so that we can then make a plan going forward to not allow them to do that. So let's talk about those time wasters in our life. So, so what are uh, what are some time wasters in our life? Because uh, maybe share because that may be helpful for other people to think about those avenues in their life. Just just shout them out. Social media. Social. That was like a that was like a rush. Social media. Okay. Yes. Can we just say in general, like ninety eight point seven percent, eight percent in social media is a waste of our life and time and energy and effort and emotions. Entertainment. Entertainment. Comfort, oh man, deep, deep, deep things. Worry. Worry, we talked about that. I heard a great analogy. This, they said, somebody in our group said, worry is like a rocking chair, right? Like it gives you something to do, but you never go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really, really insightful. That's worry. Um, 
I added to that, yeah, and then if you do it for too long, sometimes you feel like you're under the rocking chair and it's just hitting you in the head over and over and over again. For those of us that worry. Anything else? TV movies. TV movies, yeah. 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 Can what about what about things that are good things but then can also consume everything? Right? Work, family, right? Again, some of those things we can take them and use them to do what God's called us to do, right? I'm not saying that family is not a good thing. Uh, I just want to clarify. Number eight. Number eight. Time is preparation for eternity. Think about this. Time is preparation for eternity. Why does God give us time here? Why does God, what, what is our purpose on earth? It's to prepare us for eternity. To prepare our hearts and our minds. We must prepare for eternity within the realm of time. Because once we in, exit the reality of time, the realm of time, then we're into eternity. And so this is the, this is the time. This is when we get to, to practice, if you will. This is when we get to, to work toward perfecting, perfection of becoming more and more like Jesus. That's really what our sanctification, right? That, that big theological word, that's what it all means, right? Is this process of becoming more and more like Jesus. That has to happen within time. And so our life post-salvation... Uh, should be about preparing for eternity. It should be about preparing to know and to follow Jesus and become more and more like him. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, says this. It's not there. So I will read it for you. Which is it, Russell? Hebrews 10, verse 10, and then also verse 14. It says this. And by that... And by that will we have, I'm sorry, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Paul goes on to talk about that, and then in verse 14 he says this, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Right there in that one verse, Paul, or the, the author of Hebrews says that he has perfected, right? We've already been in one measure perfected in Christ because of what Christ has done. Right? But he also says, for all time, those who are being sanctified. And so our time on this earth is about us being sanctified, about us becoming more and more like Jesus. Yes, we've already been saved once and for all, perfected in that way, but we're being sanctified. We're becoming more and more like Jesus as we continue in this life. What we do in time also determines what we will, what we will experience in eternity. Right, And so how we manage the time on this life will either end in eternal agony or unending joy. Right, And we need to recognize that. That's a sobering thought. It's a sobering thought for many people that we know and we care about and we love. How they experience this time, what they do with this time is going to determine their eternity. Right? I think for many of us, we have loved ones who we would say... If their time ended today, they would not be experiencing that eternal joy with Jesus. The eternal agony and separation away. For any of us here, right, we never want to assume that just because we show up at a church, just because we come and because we, we, we put on a certain persona or we act like we're a Christian or we say the right things that we have gotten it either, right? Even for us, right, there's this, this keen awareness, right, that how we spend our time. Have we put our faith and hope in ourselves? 
Or have we put our faith and hope in Jesus Christ? And the fact that he died for our sins, right? And because of that, now we can have a relationship with God, that we can spend eternity with God. Right? That's the gospel. That's the good news. So our time is to prepare for eternity. All right, number nine, we're going to move through these last two pretty quickly. We value, uh, we value time at death. Isn't it true for many of us, we only value time in those very last few moments of life? I can't tell you how many people I've heard stories that have said, if I just had a few more years, I would have got, if I would have just had a few more moments, if I would just had a few more days, I would have gotten that relationship right. I would have done that thing that I should have been doing, right? Often we don't see the value of time until we're at the end. Here's another thought to think about, though. If additional years were given to us at death, they would only profit us if we changed how we use our time. You could be given a million years, and if you just squandered that million years, it wouldn't matter. You would have the same result. It's only when we're willing to make a change that that time becomes valuable. So let us do that today, right? Let us do that today. Again, Donald, Donald Whitney says this. Um, he says, won't you be glad... When for every moment you spend reading scripture, praying, worshiping, evangelizing, serving, fasting, and so on for the purpose of becoming more like the one before whom you are about to stand in judgment. Right? That's the definition of time well used. And then finally, number 10, is that there's a value of our time in eternity. Time's value in eternity. Right? Though we probably won't have regrets in heaven, those that end up spending eternity in hell, their eternity will be filled with the laments of agonizing, foolish squandering of time. Right? Well, since this encouragement, Paul says, um, well, first, first this real, 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 man, I am like struggling with my words. I need to finish my cup of coffee. Let me try that. Uh, first, first Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. To realize that, again, our time is not our own. It was given to us. We're not our own, but we were bought with a heavy, heavy price. But then the encouragement in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. It's my encouragement this morning as we walk away, right? Run so that you may obtain it. Think about the time that you have in this life and give it everything that you have, right? Think wisely about your time and how you want to use it. Um, just for the sake of time, let me... Let me move on real quickly to a few practical steps in, t in, in stewarding our time. I'm going to hit these really quickly. But again, these are important. As you're thinking about how to use your time, a few things to consider. Number one, consider your calling. Right? Put God and his priorities first. Question to ask yourself is, does everything I spend my time on move me toward that goal? God has given each one of us a call in our life, a purpose, a mission that he wants to use our lives in so as we think about our time, do we run it through that metric, right? As we think about something that I want to do, do I run it through the metric of what is my calling? And if this thing doesn't run through the lens of my calling somehow, 
I really need to consider whether I should give a significant amount of my time to it. Number two, this is good, plan with big stones. So what this means is, as you think about your week, as you think about your life, put in the big things first. Make sure those things take priority in your life. Your time, your personal time with God, your time alone with Him, absolutely needs to be a chunk that goes in first. And then probably your relationships that He's called you to, to live in, your marriage, your parenting. And then what are you doing for Him? Witnessing, serving, community. So what we end up letting, what we end up doing a lot of times is we like to fill the jar with all these little tiny things first. And as we fill it with all these little tiny things first, by the end we realize that we don't have time for God. We don't have time to do these things that he's called us to do. And so we need to be wise in how we use our time. We need to put the big things in first. The most important things get the most important part of my schedule and of my life. And so just as you look through your Google calendar this week, you think about what you have going on, right? If we were just to look at your calendars, right? If I was to just get a copy of everybody's calendar from the past week, what would it say about what you prioritize? What would mine say about what I prioritize, right? Because it's an indicating, it's an indicator because our time is a huge, valuable resource. Number three, this is just very practical. Make the most of your mornings. I think sometimes we end up letting so much of our valuable time just slip away, right? Sometimes for some of us, that's because we, we manage it poorly the night before. And so that opportunity gets stolen away because we end up sleeping in too much. Uh, for some of us, we just don't manage that well. And so maybe set an alarm clock. Yeah, don't miss out on that time. Uh, for parents in the room, right? Parents in the room. Sometimes the morning is the only time that you have for peace and quiet and time to get with God, right? Especially when you have little kids. Um, and set it 15 minutes earlier than you're expecting because they're going to show up earlier. They're going to wake up earlier that morning that you're trying to spend time with God, right? But are you willing to do that? Make the most of your morning. What could you accomplish with an extra hour of uninterrupted time? Number four, create flexibility for meeting other people's needs, right? Not what Jesus did. I mean, even though Jesus was intentional with his time and whatever he did, how many times did Jesus get interrupted? And he didn't say, stop, I don't have time for you. He stopped what he did, and he met that need. And so we need to have the same mentality, okay? Couple, couple questions to think about, okay? As we, these are application questions just to think about in your mind this week. What are you doing with your time, Right? It's important that you know where your time is going. This is also a principle for your money. But with your time, do you know how you're spending your time? Have you actually sat down and charted out your time to see where it's going? If not, guess what? You get to practice this week. Yay. Right? Chad's going to pass those out. Um, uh, we'll, get, we'll talk about this in a second in the practice, okay? Let's be a practice to chart out your time. Second question, how can you be using your time better for the kingdom? All right, look, Andrew, I know that we're almost at 11.30. We're not quite there yet. You ain't going to set the alarm off. Maybe that was a sign. Three-minute warning. Let's go, people. Come on. Okay. I like that it starts at 7. It only starts at 7. Yeah, there's the paper is, is only but so big. You have a back that you can add to it. We'll get to that in a minute, okay? Uh, all right, don't let that distract you, okay? Listen, um, how can you be using your time better for the kingdom? Know what changes need to happen and make steps to do them, right? And I say make steps to do them because that doesn't mean this week that you can automatically, if there's other responsibilities, you can just drop those to do three hours of something else, right? It may be a stepping process that you need to make those happen. Finally, yep, finally 
do you do you know? Uh, and this is this is a question for us to think about for ourselves first. Do you know where you will go at the end of time? At the end of your time, right? Is the old is the old Baptist uh, pastors and revivals used to say? Do you know that you know that you know, right? Are you sure of where you're going to spend eternity with that time, right? And if you don't, today is the day, right? Um, and if you know people who you're not sure where they'll spend eternity, today is also the day to encourage them and to be able to share your faith with them. Practice of the week. Okay, practice of the week. Um, complete your weekly schedule. Yes, I realize that um, it is very generous saying for many of us that 7 a.m. is the start time. Um, that's the one I found on the internet. Um, so I'm sure it was probably geared for college students. Um, so, I know. I, there's less of you today, so I can make the, make the dig. Also, yes. it might be good to split into like 30-minute increments. Yes, yes, there you go. Um, and so, again... One of the reasons we waste a lot of time is because we don't really understand where our time goes. And so this is a good way. So as you're going, you can do it one of two ways. Either think through your typical week. So if you have a pretty set scheduled week, you can just kind of fill that out because you already know what your week goes. If your week is a little bit more sporadic and flexible, maybe just as you go this week, you chart out what are the things that you spend your time on. Um, and and it will give you a great picture to see, one, what are those, those important things that I need to get done? And two, what are some things that are wasting my time that maybe I could put something better in? Okay, so fill that chart this week. Uh, number three, uh, second part is then to pray and ask God how he would have you use your time. As you're spending time in your word, as you're spending time in prayer, ask and seek God, how would he have you use that time? What would he have you to do with that 11 o'clock time slot? Right? What would he have to you to do on that, on that Thursday at, at you know, 5.30? What do you have you to do throughout these different times, and how can you use that for his purposes? And then finally, decide what you need to do, what you need to cut from your schedule, and put in the things that, that God would have you to do. Okay? Some real practical ways to land with time. Um, thank you guys for hanging. I really wanted to have a lot of, account, uh, a lot of discussion this morning, and so I think that was really, really good. Um, and so... Um, let me pray, and then Tom and Letitia, they're going to come up, and uh, we're going to just sing one more song kind of as we go out just of, of praising God as we, as we leave today. So, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for time. Thank you, God, that you have given us this resource of time. God, we also acknowledge that we are responsible for how we use your time that you've given to us. I pray that we would be wise, good stewards, like the first one in, in the parable that Jesus shared that we would multiply this time that you've given us for things that are so much greater than ourselves. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters this week as we go out and think about our time, think about our week, think about the ways you're calling us to invest, as practice that we would be wise in all that we do. Most of all, today we are just so grateful for Jesus. And it's because of him that we can think about time, not just in what we're constrained to in this life, but think about time and eternity because of what he did for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.